0: Hi, everyone. Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from Nvidia, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, Sisa, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event. Hi, this is David. And this is Shlomi. And you've tuned into Left to Our Own Devices, the Product Security Podcast.
1: Today, we have a very special episode. Not only do we have two cybersecurity experts with us, but we also have two licensed pilots. And I'm not talking about four different people, I'm actually talking about two that share the same passions for both cybersecurity and flying. So first and foremost, our guest today is Esti Peshin, Vice President, General Manager, Cyber Division at Israel Aerospace Industries, ELTA. Under Esti's management, IAI's cyber activity was expanded from a directorate to a division. Esti also served as the Director General of the Israeli High Tech Caucus at the Knesset, the Israeli parliament and was a partner in multiple private equity firms. As mentioned, she's also a licensed pilot, as you can see in her amazing videos that she shares on social.
0: And our guest host today uh, is Michael Engstler, co-founder and CEO of Saebellum. Michael is a product security technology leader who took Saebellum from being a tiny startup to a successful global company that was recently bought by LG. And on top of that is also a passionate uh, aerobatic pilot, so welcome both. And I feel like uh, we should leave the room at this point and just, just let you guys do the talking.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you do, we'll talk only about flying. So if you want some cyber issues, you have to stay in moderate.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick around, don't worry. <laughs> great. So uh, Esti, first of all, uh, it's great to finally meet you.
2: Likewise.
3: I'd like to start with a flying question. How long have you been flying? And what are your aspirations uh, with regards to flying? You're already flying light planes, air uh, private planes. What's next?
2: <laughs> Great question, Michael. So uh, I started flying in 2019. My motivation was actually to overcome a fear of flying that I have. I felt a bit uncomfortable when on commercial jets and I thought, well, maybe if I learn to fly, then I'll be able to overcome the fear and uh, remove it completely. But uh, fortunately, I fell in love and it became a passion of mine. So initially, I uh, got a license on a light sports aircraft, an LSA license. And subsequently, I got my PPL, my private pilot license. Uh, I am enjoying it tremendously. And in terms of what I'm planning to do with it is to continue to fly and to continue to learn to fly. Just, you know, for the fun of it, because I'm sure you would agree there is nothing like flying. Nothing compares.
0: Definitely. So Michael, we gotta get it back at you. Like, what, what's your aspirations with regards to flying?
3: Yes. So it sounds like I started flying just a bit after ST in 2020. That's when I started my first PPA license. I would say there's two main routes that I'm taking today. One is advancing my license and aircraft ratings. I finished my PPL, I did instrument license, and now I'm working on a commercial license. The goal is to head all the way up to the the ability to fly a commercial jet, such as an Airbus or a Boeing. And the second route is aerobatic flying. This is something that I've been doing for the past year and a half. This year in May, in a month from now, I'll be competing in my first national UK aerobatic competition. So holding fingers, bringing back a medal. Wow. Wow. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, I've been Very flying cool. for 35 years, SD, and and I also have a fear of flying. So back in May of last year, we had a visitor in from uh, Germany, and I said to Michael, maybe, you know, we should take him, one of the trips that I saw that you did, actually, from Herzliya to Masada, and, and he took me. And now my fear of flying is so much greater <laughs> 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 after being in that small plane. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Well, I think you should uh, go and try a smaller plane. That will be helpful. So you're more than invited to, to come uh, fly with me on the ultralight plane, on the small plane. And then I think you'll feel differently about it. I, I,
1: I will take you up on that offer because maybe it was a little bit scary for me, but it was incredible. It was so incredible. And also to see the country from above and you know, just, just everything, it was just exhilarating. It really was. So what about aerobotics? Are you going to join, uh, Michael, in the path of aerobotics? I mean, I see him flipping around. That's It's crazy. <laughs>
2: uh, I, I, I doubt it. I, I'm not sure I would like aerobotics. Uh, I just love flying. So, you know, just being up there, seeing the view, seeing a, a different angle of, uh, of Israel and of other countries, I just love it. So I, I doubt I'll pursue the aerobotics <laughs> That, but uh, I, I do wish Michael uh, a huge success in uh, the competition
3: in the UK. Okay, thank you very much. And, and, and Esti, continue sharing online uh, your flights there. It's uh, such a pleasure to wake up in the morning and see your videos. We'll be sure to do that. Thank you. Okay, Esti, so I'd like to talk a bit about cybersecurity and aviation. What is your outlook uh, about cyber and aviation? We saw cybersecurity mature in automotive uh, industry in the past years with more software defined vehicles and
2: regulations.
3: Where do you think we're headed in aviation?
2: So first let's understand that the commercial aviation ecosystem includes a few major players. So there are the the airplanes themselves manufactured by the OEMs, the, the larger ones and the smaller ones. There are the airports and there are the airlines. And when we fly, these three players are all involved in getting us from one place to another. Now, we must understand that modern jets today, and you're going to fly one of them, hopefully one day in the near future, are essentially flying data centers. Today, everything is computerized. In some airplanes, the only analogic device is the magnetic compass. So when there is more computer power involved, when the systems are more computerized, then the cyber risk essentially increases. Now, the question is, will an attacker be motivated enough to eventually try to harm an airplane in sight through a cyber attack? Well, potentially, the answer is yes. But we are seeing today Already cyber attacks against airlines and against airports, which disrupt the commercial aviation ecosystem, create huge delays in flying, create severe economical effects. I mean, when an airport system is down for a few hours, it creates a huge delay. And then there is a huge media coverage involved about it. So I think that today the large players are understanding that they need to employ cybersecurity inside the commercial aviation ecosystem, including increasing the cybersecurity of airplanes. And we're seeing a lot of regulation moving in this direction. Now, IAI has been a leader in cybersecurity solutions for commercial aviation, and we actually established a subsidiary by the name of Cypeneation It's for developing and deploying cybersecurity solutions for commercial aviation. So we are focused on this issue, and I think it's going to be a huge trend going forward.
1: That's really interesting. I didn't know that.
2: (laughs) I didn't know that we had aviation.
1: You know what? I I think I've seen it, but uh, I guess I didn't make the connection. Yeah,
2: so it's ours. I'm a board
1: member, actually. Oh, really nice. Maybe moving a little bit to the personal side. So can you take us through your personal journey of becoming IAI VP Cyber Division? And how did you get to cybersecurity to begin with?
2: So I've been involved in tech my entire life, starting from my career in the IDF, subsequently through holding various executive roles in tech companies in Israel, larger, and smaller ones. Through my role as a, the director general of the Israeli high-tech focus, which essentially helped the tech ecosystem, the high-tech ecosystem in Israel uh, uh, with uh, some legislation and regulation. So for me, it was a very, very natural move into cybersecurity. Now, why IAI? IAI is handling national level cybersecurity challenges. So it's the, the topmost possible challenges that you can face. And we always say that when you are looking at national-grade cybersecurity challenges, how to protect nation states, you need national-grade cyber solutions. And IAI has the ability to offer these types of solutions. These solutions comprise of five elements. Number one, state-of-the-art technology. IAI is a IP powerhouse. We develop amazing technologies in various aerospace and defense areas, including in cybersecurity. Number two is methodology and how to use this technology effectively. Number three, constant innovation. The cyber domain is evolving. The threats are evolving. The solutions are evolving. So our solutions must be adaptable in order to be able to be future proof. Number four, collaboration. Collaboration is crucial because it's our first line of defense. If a certain organization identifies a cyber attack and alerts about the cyber attack, other organizations can protect themselves in time. And IAI practices what it preaches. We are the leaders of three Israeli cyber consortium. The Israeli Cyber Companies Consortium, which delivers end-to-end cybersecurity solutions globally, the Israeli Aviation Cyber Companies Consortium, which focuses on protecting the commercial aviation ecosystem, and finally, SITES, which is the cybersecurity consortium that is in charge of the smart mobility cybersecurity lab, developed a, in collaboration with the Israeli government, the Ministry of Transportation, and the INCD, the Israeli National Cyber Directorate. So technology, methodology, constant innovation, cooperation, and finally capacity buildup, training, awareness, ensuring that the manpower involved, which is usually the weakest link, is cyber aware, practices cyber hygiene, is able to handle potential cyber incidents, and so on and so forth. So IAI is a cyber powerhouse, and for me, it was very natural to join and establish the cyber directorate initially, which became a cyber division, and to continue to lead this
1: division and from growth to growth. That's incredible. Really incredible.
0: Very, very interesting. So I'd like to ask a broader question, if you don't mind. What do you think are the biggest threats we face right now with regards to cybersecurity in general, and specifically in the world of connected devices, such as uh, aerospace or vehicles or or other critical connected devices?
2: So... So let's start with an understanding that the world is becoming more and more connected. Technology isn't stopping, and the attackers have the upper hand in terms of utilizing technology to their advantage. And this has been the case with everything. I mean, this has been the case with the cloud. The attackers were quick on the uptake in terms of the cloud. The cybersecurity industry was slower on the uptake in terms of protecting the cloud. And then when we came to IoT, connected devices, the attackers were quick on the uptake of understanding the potential vulnerabilities of a connected world, and the defenders were slower on the uptake. And when we're talking about the connected world, uh, the, the main challenge that we see today, and I'll speak in a moment also about the future challenge, but the main challenge we see today is the fact that devices can't speak to other devices directly and not necessarily through a central authority. And this means that each device has to practice its own cybersecurity methodology and have its own cybersecurity protection in order not to impact other devices. Now, when we are talking about a distributed world where devices are of different brands and can still speak to other devices, then this creates a certain situation where regulation must come into play to ensure the cybersecurity of the entire ecosystem. So if, for example, we are talking about a situation where cars can speak to other cars, can share information with other cars, and a certain brand is less cyber secure, secure than another brand, then this less cybersecurity brand can impact the entire ecosystem. And today, in a sense, regulation is behind and technology is behind. So, uh, for me, the connected world is a huge cybersecurity risk. Now, looking forward, I think that we are now entering what I refer to as the age of AI. Now, some of us speak about AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, mimicking the activities or the behaviors of human beings. But AGI is is not quite there in terms of uh, of technology. It will be there. It will take a few years, maybe two, maybe five, maybe six months, but eventually it will be here. But we are already seeing capabilities of generative AI, like uh, the infamous uh, chat and So generative AI can already support cybersecurity on one hand, but it can also support the cyber attackers on one hand, on the other hand. And in a sense, it's, a double-edged sword. So, for example, it creates a situation where we can raise our defenses more quickly because we will be aware of vulnerabilities more quickly. But it can also create a situation where the attackers can find the vulnerabilities more quickly and can develop the attacks more quickly. It relies on data to be able to provide better defenses. But this data becomes a single point of failure. So again, the attackers can utilize the fact that the data exists in order to be able to impact, to create severe impact within a cyber attack. So every advantage you can think of in terms of using generative AI in the future, artificial general intelligence, can be used also by the bad guys against us. And I think the world is not quite there in terms of how to address this. AI issue in terms of cybersecurity. So from my perspective, looking forward two, five, ten years ahead, this is something we should focus on as a cyber defense industry to make sure that artificial general intelligence and the generative AI will be utilized safely and securely and will not impact the general cybersecurity of the connected world.
1: That's really interesting. In fact, it's something we've been hearing more and more about just the other day we we were talking to uh, to someone. she's actually the general manager of the cyber division at uh, KPMG. And almost her entire focus now is about artificial intelligence and and also the same the same warning that you just you know put into place that is something that really has to be focused on in the years to come and And uh, I think it's it's definitely in and also when you know when what you mentioned about the ecosystem, it, it it definitely lines us up for the potential for almost a domino effect of uh, you know you hit the weakest point, the the weakest link, and it has a domino effect across the ecosystem. And it, it seems like if we don't have our guards in place that we could really run into some serious issues.
2: I fully I agree
1: so so with that, it would be really interesting to hear from you. You know, what tips that you can provide to product security teams that are just starting out in the world of connected device security?
2: So, I, I would like to focus on a different term, not cybersecurity anymore, but cyber resilience. And today we are talking not only about cyber resilience, but about ecosystem cyber resilience. So initially, and I'm sure you are all aware of the cyber security paradigm. Uh, initially, we focused on uh, in defending the perimeter of our organizations or of our assets, and then subsequently we understood that you know it's like trying to protect a balloon against a needle. So we won't be able to protect the entire balloon. Let's protect our crucial assets. Let's do some risk management, and then eventually we said, okay, that's that, that doesn't really work anymore because. If you have a motivated attacker, he will eventually manage to penetrate our defenses. And then the world starts, started speaking about cyber resilience, which essentially means that we assume that the attack will happen, and eventually it will happen, but we need the ability to quickly recover from it with minimum damage. And I, I will give you an example, and then we'll move on to ecosystem and cyber resilience. So the, the example I give is, you know, a very, a very crude one, but, you know, everyone understands this. So we have our home computer, and I can assure you, that each and every one of us, will wake up one day and see a red screen saying, basically, that uh, if you don't pay so-and-so bitcoins, we will uh, format your computer, uh, or we will not unlock your computer. And usually what concerns us most in this situation is the photos of our children, that are located on the computer, and we start getting stressed about, okay, what will we do, will we pay, will we not pay, and so on and so forth. Now, a cyber security approach would be, let's put an antivirus, uh, let's put maybe some sort of anti-malware solution, maybe a firewall, try to prevent the cyber. attack. But this will put us in sort of an arms race. So we'll constantly be upgrading our defenses and attackers will become more and more uh, persistent and eventually they'll manage to uh, penetrate our computer and pull up this red screen. But if we practice a cyber resilient approach, we'll just back up our photos to an external drive. And if one day we wake up and have this red screen in front of us, all we have to do is format the computer because then we have our photos. So Cyber resilience means understanding that eventually we will be attacked. And when you are attacked, you have to recover quickly and with minimal damage. When we're talking about ecosystem cyber resilience, we understand that we need to protect not only ourselves, but the entire ecosystem that is impacting us. And this refers to supply chain. It refers to our end users, which are using our solutions. It means everything within the ecosystem. So when we're talking about a connected device ecosystem, we need to consider the cyber resilience not only of our devices, but also of other devices within the ecosystem. And once globally there will be a more cyber resilience approach than a cybersecurity approach, I think the world will become more safe and more cyber secure.
1: Which also makes the first responders, the incident response teams, you know, so much. Uh, let's say in in the front, uh, making sure that you have them in place, making sure that they're trained, and right. that they also know where the backups are, and they know, you know, how to bring the systems back up if if you're dealing with, say, a disaster recovery from a
2: cyber attack. I I totally agree with you, but the first point is the state of mind. The state of mind of a CISO. 10 years ago, was let's put enough protections in to minimize the potential risk of a cyber attack. The state of mind of a CISO today should be let's put enough controls in, not necessarily defenses in, to ensure that when a cyber attack will happen, and it will happen, we will be able to recover rapidly and with minimal damage. So it's a different state of mind and since you asked me what is my first tip, this would be my first tip. Employ the cyber resilience state of mind because it's significantly more effective than the cybersecurity state of mind.
1: I, I, I think that's so critical, really.
0: Very refreshing approach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have to
3: agree as well. It's, it's interesting to hear your, your point of view of how uh, this industry evolved. Yeah. I, I think I would like to take us back a bit to flying. Uh, to To go back to the really interesting uh, topic. So I I have actually uh, two last questions for you in in that sense. We've been seeing uh, uh, that you've been flying around Israel uh, in a lot of cool places. So what is your favorite route to fly right now? And uh, secondly, uh, what is your dream route that you still haven't uh, flown yet?
2: Yeah, so in Israel, I, I don't think there are many routes I haven't flown yet. And if I have to choose one favorite one, it's flying uh, over Jerusalem to Masada. You encounter the majestic views of the Jerusalem hills, Jerusalem itself. And then uh, when you descend towards the Dead Sea and uh, Masada, it's simply majestic. This is somewhere I would fly every day if I w- would be able to.
1: And you pass right over my house on the way.
2: Y- y- yes, I do. I hope <laughs> I don't make noise. choice. <laughs> I try to fly high enough, so I hope I'm not disturbing you too much. And now, in, in terms of, of dream routes, well, in Israel, I, I think I pretty much covered the, the entire country. I still love flying in Israel. I, I love to do it almost every weekend, and, and every time there's a kind of a different view, a different outlook to share because the seasons in Israel are so vibrant. So if you fly, for example, over the Negev, In the winter, it's different than flying over the Negev in the summer. So there's so much to share and so much to see. I am starting to fly abroad, and I'm planning to do more and more of that in various uh, opportunities uh, that I have, because I would like also to see the world from the bird's eye view. And for me, it's just the love of flying, seeing the the different views, experiencing uh, the airplane in flight, and continue, continuing to do it for many, many years going forward. Wow. Awesome.
0: Perfect. And I, I, I must ask uh, Michael the same question. I'm, I'm curious. So I, I'm, I'm
3: totally with Esti here. Masada, that's, that's the number one route. I think it's a, an easy question in our small country of Israel. So that will be the same answer for me. Uh, regarding dream routes, so... It's hard for me to say a dream route. I would say maybe what's my current next objective or next goal, and uh, that would be to do a first uh, international flight. Mm. So I hope to a uh, complete preparation somewhere in the next two months to fly to Jordan. That should be quite exciting. Uh, it's 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 all, it starts the same route as as Mitzada, so it's also above Jerusalem and going east. Just when you reach the, uh, the Dead Sea, instead of uh, turning right and going toward Vasada you continue straight and uh, cross the border. So, yeah, it should be quite interesting uh, flying internationally. I'm sure you'll love it. Wow. Going over
1: Petra, for example, that would be, that would be yeah. pretty. would
2: yeah. be amazing. But, but Michael, I, I would add something. Uh, you, you should come and try to fly an LSA, a light sports aircraft, flying. At a lower altitude and uh, seeing the views from a slightly different
3: angle. Yeah, so actually that's on my bucket list. After I finish a, a commercial license, LSA is uh, down the route. so I, I haven't flown yet, but it sounds it sounds like it's more of a flying experience because you're you're more out there, you're more:
2: It's more of a stick and runway experience. You know, you you can't really compare in a small uh, sports aircraft to a Cessna 172. They are very, very different in terms of the handling. Uh, you, ha- you have to be significantly more agile on the controls in order to control the airplane. So it's a significantly more stick and rudder experience.
3: Well, we're here for the
1: stick and rudder, so... <laughs>
2: yep, exactly.
1: Well, now I have on my bucket list to
3: fly with Esty, so... My,
2: Michael should have it on his bucket
3: list as well. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, definitely. We should, we, should, we should fly together. Yeah, definitely. We should fly together. together. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: <laughs> that would be a sight to see. <laughs> yep.
3: Awesome. So uh, I think if I'll try to summarize here, this is a great meeting. So first of all, it was really nice to meet you, SD, finally, and, and also to hear your experience about the in flying and cyber. Both of our companies have have been working together in this way or another, and we're looking forward to continue this partnership. Uh, Cybellum today is not actively engaging in aviation yet uh, as a IAI, but uh, it's definitely uh, down uh, our roadmap. Uh, we started as a, a product security company for automotive, but expanded to medical, uh, industrial, and I'm sure as a, as a key industry, aviation is definitely a, a one of the industries that we will expand soon. So, uh, both on the personal and professional levels, uh, we hope to see uh, both you and I and I and uh, continue uh, working together.
2: Likewise, it's a great partnership, and we are very very proud of it. And I really enjoyed uh, this discussion, uh, David, Shomi, and yourself, Michael. And uh, looking forward to working together to create a more safe and cyber secure. Or maybe I should say, cyber resilient world.
1: Definitely. It's been great to have you.
0: Well said. Thank you.
3: Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com.